Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your LNC skills. I'm Pat Iyer, the host of the show. Every week, you will see or hear interviews with experts and tips from them as well as from me that will help you develop the knowledge that you need to succeed in this exciting field. I want to hear from you. Share your thoughts about the show by going to podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. Look for a red button on the homepage. When you click on that button, you can leave me a question or share a compliment or a suggestion about the show. I want to hear from you. Coming up March 14, 15, and 16, 2024, join us for the ninth LNC Success online conference. This is an event where you can get support, a community, and knowledge about the specialized field of legal nurse consulting. Get your ticket by going to this link, lnc.tips forward slash March 2024 virtual. And if you see this podcast or hear this podcast after that date, go to the link and you'll be able to invest in the recordings. I'll see you there. Now, let's go to the show. I'm Pat Iyer and welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast. This is our weekly show that brings you tips and insights and experiences that help you in your LNC business practice, no matter where you are in the world. And today my guest and I are separated by the Atlantic Ocean. She is in Nigeria, normally resides in California and is visiting family in her native country. I'd like to welcome you, Sylvia, to the podcast. This is Sylvia Anenye, who has a practice in California, working in the area specifically of helping attorneys with defense medical examinations. Sylvia has a strong emphasis in her business in supplying legal nurse consultants to act as observers in those exams, and we'll get into those exams and why they are ordered or requested by the defense as part of this podcast. Sylvia also serves attorneys and the public in other ways, such as functioning as a mediator in working with parties to help resolve cases prior to them going into a courtroom. Sylvia, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Let's start for those of us who are listening to the show, for people who are not familiar with the defense medical exam, what is it and what are some other names for it? Uh, a defense medical exam is usually an exam that is ordered by the opposing party. In this case, it would be defense, the defense, but in most cases, it usually is the insurance company that orders the exam. The other names the exam is known by is an independent medical exam. The insurance companies like calling it an independent medical exam. And an attorney 
usually the plaintiff attorney likes to call it the defense medical exam because it is actually ordered by the defense. And the reason for exam, the exam is to see what the extent of injuries are in terms of treatment, what injuries the client already has, at what position they're in, what level, if the injuries have actually resolved or if they haven't resolved or if they've gotten worse. So basically the doctor is simply checking to make sure that the injuries have not worsened or sometimes remain the same. And if they have, the doctor writes up a report giving recommendations on how to deal with whatever the situation is with the client. Oh, Sylvia, as you describe it, that sounds very straightforward. Why is it necessary for a legal nurse consultant to observe this exam that the physician does? Yes, the reason why the exam is uh, a legal nurse consultant needs to attend the exam is because in the past, at least in California that I live in, in the past, the defense has ordered these exams and then they send the client to a doctor that was hired by the defense. As a result of that, most of the time, the defense attorneys and the doctors kind of script the exam before the exam. In other words, in most cases, the attorneys, the defense attorneys tell the doctors what questions to ask and what areas to push for and what areas not to push for. This brought an actual imbalance to the process, which mainly was, um, you know, uh, mainly was supporting the defense. So they passed a law in California where now they allow a nurse, uh, usually a legal nurse consultant to observe the exam and basically prevent the doctor from asking questions that he's not supposed to ask, which balances the actual exam. And that's the reason why the legal nurse consultant is there. Basically, she's there to advocate for the rights of the plaintiff. And to clarify, California has a specific regulation permitting a nurse to be present and permitting a nurse to record and to make objections. Some states, because the states in the United States are autonomous, do not permit nurses to be present, or if they do, do not permit recording or have other restrictions on the ability of the nurse in terms of what can be objected to and or not objected to in the context of an observer. So we'll talk about in this podcast, Sylvia's experiences in California, but be aware that they could be different. If you are working in the United States, in your state, the regulations could be different. And that brings up other nuances associated with the role of the nurse being present in the exam. It sounds to me from what you've just described, Sylvia, that this is 
potentially a very intimidating process for a patient whose attorney has said, the defense has hired a doctor to find out if you are really injured. What do you recommend that LNCs do before the exam to help prepare the patient for this experience? Usually in these exams, you are correct. The plaintiff is usually scared, anxious. And the reason why they're anxious is usually because they've talked to their attorneys and the attorneys have given the clients a little bit of a background on the doctor. And if the doctor is pretty much known as a defense doctor, the attorney will let the client know. And usually what happens in that context is the client gets overly anxious about the exam, about how to handle the exam. So basically what the job of the legal nurse consultant is, is basically if the client is 100% anxious, our job is to get them from 100% down to possibly 50%. And to do that, you have to have a specific skill. That's why you need to actually be trained as a defense medical exam observer in order to be able to handle this. The reason why that happens is whether the client comes down from the 100% to about 50 depends generally a lot on how well you prep the client. When you prep the client, you're supposed to find out from the client what the areas are that are injured, what the date and time was when the injury occurred, what medications and what uh, treatments they've had up till now, where what the treatments have done for them, what the treatments didn't do for them, and then also I think the most important aspect is the part where the defense medical observer informs the client on what questions they have to answer and what questions they don't have to answer. The main four points that the client has to listen to is to make sure that under no circumstances do they release information regarding their personal medical history. Their personal medical history is private. The only information they're supposed to release is whatever happened in the context of one paragraph, whatever happened as an incident, slip and fall, motor vehicle accident, whichever one it is, what injuries they've had. If the doctor asks the questions about the personal history of the client, it's the job of the legal nurse consultant to object to any questions regarding the personal medical history of the client, the employment history of the client, beyond what kind of job they do, any injuries or surgeries that the client may have had that are not related to the incident in, questions, in question, and also medications that the client might be taking personally, as well as for the injury. The client is only supposed to mention the medications that they're taking for the injury. Now, you will find doctors that 
actually a very aggressive, from passive aggressive to actual aggression. It is the job of the legal nurse consultant to also stand her ground and make sure she indicates per the recording, meaning if the doctor is doing anything that is hurting the patient, which they are not supposed to do, the legal nurse consultant needs to indicate that on the recording. They can't stop the doctor from doing things, but they can indicate verbally what the doctor is doing. So at the end of the exam, the attorneys are aware of what exactly transpired during the exam. Hopefully that answers your question. Yes, that is a lot to cover. And um, you mentioned bringing the anxiety level down from 100 to 50%. I suspect you've been involved in situations where you start providing this information and then you watch the anxiety level go back up. Exactly. Oh, I never thought that that could happen, you might exactly. hear. You know, and usually just a tidbit, the way I get the client's anxiety level to come down is by giving them a picture of the doctor. In other words, personality-wise, psychologically, how the doctor approaches the exam. Not that we can control the exam, but I tell the client, look, this doctor is passive-aggressive. He asks questions like your personal medical history, even though he's not supposed to, I will object when he asks those questions. And also he will ask questions that might intimidate the client. I always prepare the client so the client knows that they have someone in the room that will basically act as a buffer between the doctor and the client. And usually most clients that I've had at the end of the exam, they're really appreciative. They, they always say, oh my God, I'm so glad you were in there with me. Everything happened exactly the way you explained to me the night before during the prepping session. We recognize how helpful it is to the patient to have the nurse there. I would suspect that you've encountered doctors who do not want a nurse observer to be in the room, what happens then? Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. I'm so excited that you've turned on this video to find out a little bit more about one of the speakers who is coming to our March 14, 15, and 16, 2024 LNC Success Conference. Dr. Kayer Patel has focused much of his career on looking at the question of quality of care. He has experience as the Vice President of Quality for Team Health, as a Chief Medical Officer of an HCA hospital in Indiana. He's the chairman, he has experience as the chairman for the HCA Capital Division for the Emergency Departments, and as a medical director for Keypro, the Quality Improvement Organization. I'm excited that you're going to be joining us at our conference and speaking with our legal nurse consultants about the topic of quality. Can you give our viewer a sense of what you'll be covering 
in your session at the conference? Absolutely, Pat. First of all, it's an honor that you've asked me to speak to your group. Our focus is really to evaluate uh, case reviews retrospectively um, for gaps in care, if any, and um, to really put a chronology together to better understand the situation that, that took place, identify systemic errors or human errors, um, and then really work with the council um, to see what we can do to help rectify the problem. And really, at the end, our goal is several things. One, if we can, as a community, the medical community and the legal community come together as step one and identify gaps, teach these gaps, and modify the policies, protocols within an organization. That is our real goal to succeed five, 10 years from now to decrease the medical errors that are occurring today. Yeah, I can appreciate your focus on trying to prevent future incidents occurring. It's often something that we lose in the legal system because we're focused on what happened in this case and what are the lessons that the organization may need to know. That's often buried in the midst of the litigation. And yet, if we don't fix those holes and those gaps, problems continue to occur. Absolutely. I mean, if we look back 30 years ago, um, you know, to Ares Human, the uh, publication that came out in 1999, every 10 years we get a new data, new publications, but the data still remains the same. We are still third leading cause of death in the United States in medical errors. It hasn't changed. And I feel like, one, reporting has increased, which is good. Um, but to, uh, really, we need to take strides in coming together as a community and learning lessons. A lot of times what happens, as you said, we get so bogged down into that one particular case. And once the case is closed in either direction, we need to backtrack again, spend an hour or two or three to identify lessons learned, identify what potentially could have we have done different, better in the future, and then maybe turn that into a white paper, turn that into a teaching moment and pass it on to the colleagues, our medical community, legal community, and have if, just imagine if we had access to the lessons learned on every case that we close out. Imagine how many lessons learned we'll have on our desk right now. It's a wonderful vision. I, I understand that the price that people pay in our system, both the providers who are sued and the patients who are injured. And what if we could reduce that and make sure that people got safe, effective care, including all of us who are attending this conference and all of us who are working within the legal system, we're all affected as patients. Absolutely. We are going to explore the subject with Dr. Patel at our conference, as well as look at your role as a legal nurse consultant in helping attorneys identify which of the cases is truly due to negligent care and which are bad outcomes, which occurred regardless of what the providers were doing in the facility. That critical distinction is so important at the beginning of a case to help attorneys so that they don't take bad cases if they're plaintiff attorneys, bad meaning the ones that they can't 
possibly win and not devoting their resources to those cases or for defense attorneys who are struggling to uphold the reputation of the people they represent, that they know which cases they should be vigorously defending. Join us at our conference on March 14, 15, and 16, 2024 at the link right below this video, lnc.tips forward slash March 2024 virtual. I'll see you there. Now let's return to the show. What usually happens then, it becomes on the doctor's part usually an intimidation factor or if the doctor is not intimidating, the doctor becomes very forward and says, I'm not going to allow a nurse observer in during the exam. And it's our duty when the doctor says he's not going to allow an observer, we usually are very professional. I always advise nurses, even though doctors become passive aggressive or very aggressive, when they mention this information, it's very important for the legal nurse consultant to rise above that and still be professional, but still pass along in the information. And usually what I tell the doctors here when they say, um, I'm not going to allow a nurse observer in the exam. I tell them, oh, attorney, you know, I tell the doctor, oh, doctor so-and-so uh, in California, nurse observers are allowed. And I'm sure your defense firm have indicated to you that a nurse observer is allowed. Usually at that point, the doctor says, no, I don't have any information that indicates that which usually is a fibble because the doctor gets the demand and the doctor also gets the response from the attorneys, both the defense and the uh, plaintiff, you know, attorneys. But what a lot of doctors do is they decide to ignore what the defense, you know, what the response, uh, the plaintiff attorneys want, even though by law, Section 2032, they have to, you know, listen to the information. And what they do is they don't listen to the information and then they try to bulldoze their way through the exam. And then I tell them, no, sir, this exam is not taking place until you follow the rules of I draw the attention of the doctor to the demand and the response that those things came from the, those that paperwork came from the courts, was agreed upon by the people, the lawyers that hired them, as well as the plaintiff attorney as well. So I always indicate to the doctors, if you're not ready to follow the rules, then you need to stop doing defense medical exams. Because a lot of them indicate that, you know, try to treat the patient as if the patient is someone in their practice. And the legal nurse consultant has to draw their attention. Sir, this is not your private patient. This is a legal case. And in a legal case, the rules are different. And if you don't know what the rules are, I could help educate you on the rules 
And if not, we might have to cancel this exam and come back when you're ready to follow whatever the rules are. Sometimes the doctor does cancel the exam. Sometimes the doctor will have me call my attorney and tell them what's going on. And they step out for a minute and call their attorney and indicate what's going on. And 95% of the time when they come back in, after speaking their attorney, the tone changes because they suddenly realize that, you know, their attorney is saying, no, you have to follow what she's saying. You can do the exam, but you have to go with the protocols and the criteria of what the courts laid out. You don't get to just decide unilaterally what you want to do. So then they come back in and then the exam takes place like it should. And, you know, usually that works out, but if for any reason the doctor is very adamant, which happens occasionally, and he doesn't want to uh, follow the rules, what I do, I advise the nurses never cancel the exam unilaterally. That's very important. Call the attorney in front of the doctor if the doctor wants to be there and inform the attorney what the doctor is doing. The, uh, the attorney is the only one that can give you the authority to cancel the exam. This is very important because in the future, when it comes to money, it is very important who canceled the exam. Whether we canceled it or the doctor canceled it, there are fees to be paid for cancellation. So we have to make sure that the fault is not on our side so we don't have to pay those cancellation fees. So if it's on the doctor's side and he decides I'm not listening to her and he canceled the exam, that's all in good. What happens in that situation is the doctor can't charge a cancellation fee because he canceled the exam. So we steer the exam to the direction where the doctor cancels the exam so we don't incur any cancellation fees. Hope that helps. Yes, that's very helpful to explain. You and I are working together on a book on this process for legal nurse consultants. And last night I was reviewing some of the reports that I have written in the past as an LNC observer. And in one of the reports, the physician was not clear that I was allowed to be there, called the defense attorney, the defense attorney said to the doctor, yes, she can be there. And then the exam proceeded. Certainly it can come up because I think in part, this was a physician who had not done that many exams and had not encountered a nurse being present before. So it was a new and um, unusual experience in this physician's practice. You mentioned before, Sylvia, um, about passive aggressive behavior and aggressive behavior. I think it would help our LNC listener to know not all doctors are pleasant. This is yep, not yep. news for anyone who's worked clinically. Not all doctors are happy to have a nurse there. Not all doctors are happy to be examining 
the clients who we are there to support. Tell mm-hmm. us about some passive aggressive behavior that an LNC might encounter at an exam. Well, kind of the most common that you would receive from the doctor when they're passive aggressive, when you come in and the doctor introduces himself, a lot of times the doctor doesn't introduce himself. He just comes in and just gives his name and after giving his name gets started on the exam that is inappropriate. The doctor is supposed to give the plaintiff a clear picture of who hired him. In other words, if it was a defense attorney, they need to mention that. They don't usually mention the actual name of the defense firm, but they just say, the defense hired me. And then in insurance companies' cases, they say the insurance company hired me to evaluate your injuries. That is an appropriate introduction, but a lot of doctors don't do that because they think if they do that, the client will feel like the situation is more or less a situation of that he's on the defense side when technically, which I don't understand psychologically why the doctors do that, because technically just the exam itself is obvious that the exam is being paid for by the defense. But they try to mask that and try as much as possible to try and present the exam as actual independent. And I've had to jump in at the beginning of my practice and tell some doctors, excuse me, sir, I'm so sorry to you know interrupt, but you need to stop telling my client that this is an independent medical exam because it is not independent. The people that hired you are the defense that is being sued in this case. So the defense has a conflict of interest in this situation. And just as you know, the plaintiff has one as well, being at the exam. So for you to mention that this is an independent medical exam gives the impression that this exam is neutral and it's not. And in terms of passive aggressive, a lot of doctors come in very rude. That's a sign of aggression. A lot of doctors know the client actually has a case. Doctors pretend like they don't have the medical records and they try to ask questions that the observer will go ahead and block. And when the observer blocks the questions, then they go, they flip out. Some of them insult the nurse observer. Some of them give um, veiled, what I would call veiled comments, meaning comments that it is obvious to anyone listening to it is an insult, but they present them as jokes. And then there are doctors in the 14 years that I've done this, then there are doctors who are just downright downright aggressive, Mm. you know? You shared with me a story of a physician who became aggressive with you. Can you tell our listener what happened in that situation? Yes, what happened in the situation was I came in, it was a neurologist in San Pedro, 
And I, myself and the client came in. First of all, the doctor was late starting the exam. He didn't want to start the exam. I had to actually inform him in California of the 30-minute rule of starting the exam. And if the exam doesn't start, legally we're allowed to leave. The doctor, of course, knew what this rule was and called us in at the 28th minute. He left us sitting out there and called us in at the 28th minute. When we came in, he made us wait 10 more minutes, even though he was not really doing anything. I could notice he was not doing anything. He was just writing information in his charts, even though he knew that he was supposed to be doing an exam. When he came into the exam, he didn't introduce himself. I asked the doctor to please introduce himself. So the client knows who he is. The doctor got upset and asked me why I was opening my mouth. That technically I'm not even supposed to open my mouth or say anything. I'm supposed to just sit there, audio record the exam, watch what happens the exam and leave. I had to educate the doctor that the scenario he was describing is the scenario for workers' compensation in California, not personal injury. I tell the doctor, I had to tell the doctor, this is personal injury, this is not workers' compensation, where the nurse doesn't say anything. We have the right to oppose certain questions. I asked him, um, he asked some questions. He asked questions about the personal medical history of the client, I stopped him. He insulted me at, the, at that point, and he said, you're a stupid lady. I don't know what kind of nurse you are. You're not supposed to say anything. If this was at the hospital, I would make sure you were fired. And then he kept on, and I held my cool. I didn't say anything, and he kept on asking questions. He did the same thing with employment. He did the same thing with prior injuries. I had to stop him. And then finally, he got so upset, he said, you're a stupid bitch. Why are you uh, blocking my exam? Or why are you preventing me from asking questions that I need to ask? And I informed the doctor in, very, in a very professional manner. I said, doctor, you don't need to know the full history of the client in order to do this exam. The full history of the client is in the medical records, which in this case, the doctor had right in front of him. And as he was doing the exam, he was looking at the medical records, which is another thing he was not supposed to do. He's supposed to review the medical records before he comes in for the exam, but he didn't. He was doing the exam and looking at the medical records at the same time. And based on what he saw in the medical records, he formulated his questions. And when I blocked the questions, then he got upset. And finally, when we got close to, he spent an hour and a half on the history portion of the exam and only 30 minutes on the actual physical exam. Towards the end of the physical exam, he got so upset with me that he threw the chart 
in my direction. He said, you're a bitch. You don't know what you're doing. You're a nurse. I'm a doctor. I know what I'm doing. When you were in nursing school, um, I mean, when he was in medical school, he indicated it was an older gentleman. He indicated that when he was in medical school, I was in diapers. I hadn't even, you know, indicated or I hadn't even known that I was going to be a nurse. And I professionally told him, sir, I'm so sorry. You feel that way, but there are rules in this exam and you have to follow the rules. I kept repeating that phrase to him whenever he was rude or he was asking for something he wasn't supposed to ask. I repeated the same statement. And towards the end, he got so upset, he threw the chart at me. And he was lucky that the chart didn't hit me. The, the chart stopped short of actually hitting me. And because I was we were on audio, I indicated to the doctor, sir, you just threw the chart at me. I'm making you aware that this is inappropriate behavior for a doctor in an exam. It's definitely a sign of lack of professionalism. And if he, the chart had actually touched me, that he could be sued for battery. I hope that he was aware, you know, of that possibility. The doctor ignored what I said and did the exam and ushered us out of the office. When I got in the car, because it was such a unique situation, I called the attorney and told the attorney what happened. The attorney didn't believe me. The attorney said, no, you're lying. He didn't do that. I said, yes, he did. And I got it on tape. So the attorney said, no problem. Take your time writing the report. But can you forward the audio to me just so I can get a little bit of a picture of what your report is going to look like? So I forwarded it to him that night once I got home. The very next morning at 7 a.m., the attorney called me. Oh, my God. I can't believe he did that. And I told the attorney, I told you he did it. Anyway, long and short is the doctor got disqualified from the DME. He was reported to the medical board. And I haven't seen him in very many DMEs since then. And that was over 12 years ago. So it looks like maybe he'd been barred from doing the defense medical exams because I never really saw him again after that. Well, thank you for that story. There are so many lessons to be learned from the dynamics of that situation. And you've emphasized the importance of the LNC knowing the regulations, standing ground, being firm, and forcing an aggressive physician to adhere to the rules, which he clearly did not want to do. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to, but he had to follow the rules. And also another point that I need to make with this physician, he also refused to look at the demand and the response as well. So you can imagine what the picture looked like. Sylvia, we have reached the, the end point of this podcast. I know that we could talk much longer on this topic. What would be the best way for our listener to be able to reach you? Uh, usually I, my phone number 
is the best way to reach me, my cell phone number. That's 310-340-9618. And if anyone wants more information about me as a person, they can go to my website at www.weberlegalnurse.com. All right. Thank you so much, Silvio. We've just scratched the surface in terms of the role of the LNC in handling DMEs. And I encourage our viewer to look for the book that Sylvia and I will be releasing in early 2024, depending upon when you hear this podcast. It might be available for sale on Amazon. You can reach Sylvia to get more information about that book or look for the book on Amazon. Thank you for being a part of this show, Sylvia, and thank you to you, the listener, who has gotten pulled into the DME office to find out some of the nuances of how LNCs assist attorney clients by being advocates and observers at the defense medical exam. I'm Chris Mew, a guest host on Legal Nurse Podcasts. Our guest is well known in the LNC community as a pioneer and thought leader. She's been using AI for several years and brings you today her thoughts and recommendations for you as an LNC. Here's Pat Iyer. Thank you, Chris. I encourage people to watch this podcast. We talked about some of the positive and negative aspects of using AI and specifically how you can use it as a legal nurse consultant in your marketing, in writing emails, in editing and creating blogs and social media posts. We went into some of the occupations that are at risk of being eliminated because of AI and some of the controversies surrounding the use of AI. And I, I offered some tips and strategies for how you can responsibly use AI and when you should not use it. You'll all find out the answers to those questions by watching my podcast coming up soon. Great. Be sure you come back and check out Pat's podcast. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out my resources at LegalNurseBusiness.com and join us for the March 14, 15, and 16, 2024 LNC Success Online Conference. Get your ticket today at lnc.tips forward slash March 2024 virtual. I'll see you there.